Well, hey guys, I like the sound of fellowship, uh, and we're gonna keep doing that a little bit uh, afterwards um, because we're gonna dive in uh, to the message like right away. Um, because last week uh, only a few of y'all showed up, and we decided uh, that we'd go out and we'd just hang out uh, rather than do. Uh, worship and a sermon and whatnot. So we went to Applebee's last week. Um, so this is a sermon I've been sitting on for two weeks. Um, and so we're gonna we're just gonna see uh, how the Lord uh, uses us and leads us. We've been going through the Book of John, uh, and we've covered a lot of the Book of John um, more recently. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've looked at uh, John chapter 18 and Jesus's arrest, his trial. Um, more of a mistrial. Uh, we've looked at Jesus there, then being put on the cross, bringing about, uh, being brought before Pilate. Uh, we looked at what Pilate's dilemma was. Um, and now we're at this place, uh, the last time we were in the book of John, we saw Jesus uh, being put on the cross. Uh, the, the title of that message was uh, The Day That True Love Died. And we looked at uh, Jesus dying on the cross and what that did uh, for us, what that did for humanity, what that did for history. Um, but now we're going to be looking uh, at what happens after Jesus uh, is up on the cross. Uh, and if you're taking notes tonight, uh, the title for tonight's message is super long. Um, and so I, I have a slide for you guys. Uh, can, can I get, Mariah, if you just mind clicking one more slide. Um, she's doing like laps back there she's running back and forth um but so here's the title uh it's all one title uh four lives changed three significant garden two eyes open one main point um it's 12 let i mean 12 words it's a lot um and the reason why it's so long is because uh it's probably three sermons uh, and we're gonna do it all in one um and so uh prepare yourself for that i don't even know how it's gonna go um but we're picking up in uh john chapter 19 and we're gonna pick up in verse 28 and then we're gonna read all the way through uh john chapter 20 and we're gonna look all the way through uh, verse 18 so you guys ready to bear with me for a little bit as we read through this? And then we'll go back through it uh, kind of verse by verse and dissect uh, these, these four different points that I'm going to bring out tonight. Uh, so this is what it says, picking up in John chapter 19, verse 28. It says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled it with a sponge, uh, uh, or filled a sponge uh, with the sour wine and put it on a hyssop uh, and put it up to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day the, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified next to him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out and he who has seen has testified his testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe for these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled that not a one of his bones should be broken and again another scripture says they shall look upon him whom they have pierced picking up in verse 38 it says this after this joseph of arimathea being a disciple of jesus 
but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, uh, about a hundred pounds worth. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound him up in strips of linen with pieces as custom to the Jewish way to bury. And now in uh, the place where he was crucified, there in the garden, and in the garden, a new tomb uh, in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Now on the first day, this is chapter 20, verse 1, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early uh, while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. and We do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, uh, and, and they went together to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths were laying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together uh, in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw it, and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But, verse 11, Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting on uh, one at the head and the other uh, at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laid. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Let's pray. Dear God, we just uh, we thank you for uh, your word. Uh, God, we thank you that we are able to read your word. Um, God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, and it, it, it reveals to us the motives and the intents of our heart. And God, we just pray uh, that tonight as we just look at your word uh, and we look at what your word has to say, uh, God, that each and every single one of us would just be encouraged, uh, God, that we would be inspired, uh, but God, that we would also be challenged by what your word has to say. Uh, God, may we not leave this place the same as when we came, but God, may we be transformed uh, by the power of your word. God, may we be washed and renewed, uh, God, just by your word uh, and the truth that is within it. Um, God, I just pray that tonight none of these would be my words, uh, but God, that you would speak through me, uh, and God, that we would leave this place uh, with a deeper love, a deeper appreciation uh, for you, for the sacrifice you made, 
for who you are and the way you fulfill your promises. So, uh, God, we just thank you. Uh, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. All that's people said. Amen. Amen. So the title uh, is Four Lives Changed, Three Significant Gardens, Two Eyes Open, and One Main Point. Uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to break down uh, the first three. The first three uh, being Four Lives Changed, Three Significant Gardens, uh, and Two Eyes Open. And then we're going to see that as we break down each one of those, uh, they all have one main point. Uh, and I'll give you the main point. This is like the spoiler alert. Let me give you the spoiler alert. You guys can hear the main point and then just leave because, uh, but I'm not really. But the main point is this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He's risen uh, and he changes lives. And, and, and so speaking of changing lives, um, we pick up with Jesus on the cross. Uh, and he's thirsty. And if you remember a few weeks ago when we were looking at Jesus being put up on the cross, uh, we looked at, at, at Psalms and we looked at uh, a prophetic psalm in Psalms chapter 20 uh, um, where it talks about Jesus being raised up uh, on uh, a cross, him being thirsty. Uh, it also talks about how none of his bones would be broken. Um, and so we see all these prophecies come to fulfillment here in the first few verses that we looked at. Uh, Jesus says, it is finished. And if you remember, that was the way that prophetic psalm uh, ended, uh, where the rabbi at, at three o'clock in the afternoon, he, he, he would start off the psalm by saying, my father, uh, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very thing Jesus said when he was up on the cross, then everyone would repeat this psalm and pray this psalm and, and, and sing the psalm. And then at the end, when the rabbi was done, he would say it is finished. And that's exactly what Jesus did up there on the cross. And he was calling people to look towards him as Messiah. Uh, but most people stood idly by watching him, just as it said there in Psalms, prophetically, they would look upon him uh, with contempt. They didn't believe who he was, even though he was claiming to be Messiah. But there were four distinct people that we read about in these first few verses uh, who were impacted by Jesus uh, during either his ministry, uh, his, his life, or his death upon the cross. Uh, and they were radically impacted and changed by the power of uh, of Jesus and by the power of the gospel. And so our first point tonight being four lives changed. We're going to look at four people uh, in this first section. The first of these uh, we find in verse 34 of chapter 19. This is what it says in verse 34 of chapter 19. But one of the soldiers, so this is our first dude, one of the soldiers uh, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And then verse 35 says this about the soldier who pierced Jesus with the spear. It says, And he who has seen has testified his testimony. This is the testimony of this Roman soldier. And, 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 and that word testimony there uh, is the Greek word marturia. And it means, uh, it, it, it means one who bears witness of. And it is the Greek word that we get the English word martyr from. Uh, martuia is testimony, uh, and, and, and martyr in the English is someone who, who gives their life for their testimony. Uh, and, and so there's just a fun little correlation to be made there. But this guy, uh, legend tells us, uh, his name um, was Lucius, uh, but that doesn't actually come into play uh, until the 15th century. So whether that was his name or not, we don't even know. Uh, but legend tells us, and, and, and church history tells us, uh, that he becomes a Christian, um, and he travels around the Roman Empire. He took the head of the spear off of his spear, uses the spear as a walking stick. Uh, legend also says that when the blood and the water came out, some of it hit him in the eye. 
uh, and it blinded him. Uh, and that was God's way of kind of saying, hey, you stabbed me, but now go do some cool work for me. Um, legend, probably not actually how it all went down. Uh, but uh, church history tells us that he did go and become a missionary. He traveled around much of the Roman world telling people about Jesus. Uh, and we're told that he died as a martyr. He died as someone who gave his life for his testimony. Uh, and, and most likely, uh, it was because he was a Roman soldier, a high-ranking Roman soldier, uh, and he started worshiping a god that was not Caesar and not the Roman gods. And so he was probably uh, his life was probably taken during that time. But what we do know about this man is that uh, he lived radically one way, but then had an experience with Jesus. Uh, and something changed in his life uh, by the testimony of what Jesus had done on the cross. Uh, he could see um, that he was surely, as, as Matthew's gospel tells us, he says, surely this man was the son of God. Uh, he had this revelation of, boom, uh, this guy is who he says he is. Uh, and his life was changed. He did something uh, with this changed life. So, the first point uh, of our four lives being changed, the first person being this Roman soldier, uh, he was someone who lived uh, for um, his world. He lived for his government. He lived for his military, uh, probably living uh, away from home. Uh, all different things that we can uh, uh, draw correlation to in our own lives. But when he had this encounter with Jesus, it radically changed his life uh, for the better, and then he was able to change the lives of people around him. The next person who comes up, um, we see in verse 38, it says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, being a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to stop there um, because... Uh, we're going to break down what it says after that. But Joseph of Arimathea, we do know uh, that, that he was a wealthy person. Uh, we're told he was a part of the Sanhedrin, so he was in the ruling and governing class uh, of the Jews. Uh, but what it says on after that, he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. Um, he, he was a follower of Jesus, but he was not a vocal uh, follower of Jesus. He, he, he was a, afraid of his surroundings. Uh, and that's much like uh, me, either many of us or many of our friends. We believe in Jesus, uh, but when we're in settings where it might be uncomfortable or it might not be uh, the, the socially acceptable thing to do, we kind of like secretly are disciples of Jesus and we kind of like hide behind the corner and be like, all right, or maybe we just partake in everything with uh, our friends and whatnot. Um, but we are followers of Jesus, but secretly followers of Jesus. But something happened on this day when Joseph of Arimathea had this experience with Jesus where he saw what had taken place. He realized here and now that, hey, Jesus gave his life for me, and I'm hiding in the background secretly doing these things. And he, he, he decided at that point he was going to give Jesus his very best. Um, we know that the rich and the famous uh, and, and the wealthy Jews, they own plots of land outside of Jerusalem where they would be buried in these magnificent uh, tombs and these gardens uh, that, that, that were just elaborately beautiful. And you'd be buried with your family and your family's family. And, and, and we know some biblical uh people uh they were buried all the way back into the old testament folk like these were expensive plots of land and this was a tomb that was going to be for most likely joseph of arimathea this rich uh, leader in the sanhedrin and he is giving this tomb to the person his buddies just helped kill and, and, and 
in doing so, he's saying, I'm coming out of the proverbial closet. I am a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to give him my best. Now, he had a little partner with him in this. Another guy who, who was uh, at some point secret about his following of Christ. Um, and that's a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Verse 39 says this, And Nicodemus, who came first by night. If you remember, uh, earlier in the book of John, we looked at this, this guy by the name of Nicodemus. Uh, who who was a part? Of, he was a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus at night and asks Jesus, "Hey Jesus, uh, what must I do to be saved?" And Jesus then goes on to tell him what it means to be born again. He's like, "Okay, that makes sense." And so he starts becoming a follower uh, of Jesus. But we see um, he kind of goes back into this "I'm not going to open my mouth" kind of situation. Earlier in the book of John, in John chapter 9, we see that the Pharisees, they're calling Jesus out on some things, and they're really saying, hey, this dude is a bad guy, like Jesus, he, he, he's, he's causing up, uh, uproar and unrest, and Nicodemus stands up for Jesus, and, and, and he says, nah, man, he's doing exactly what the prophet said, and then like all the Pharisees turn to Nicodemus, and they're like, oh, what, are you one of his followers, are you from Galilee, and then he doesn't respond, and so he, he was in this place of... He made a stand for Jesus, and he was super zealous about it, but because of peer pressure, he decided, I don't know if I'm going to be vocal about it. But on this day, he's extremely uh, vocal by his actions. Actions speak louder than words. And, and, and we see here that he brings over 100 pounds of myrrh and aloe. Um, probably not aloe vera lotion or anything like that, uh, but, but aloes and oils to prepare Jesus for a barrel. That is a lot of money's worth. We're talking 100 pounds of like oil. Um, it probably smelled super good um, because myrrh and aloes, they smell really good. And he's offering these things up to Jesus saying, all right, uh, I, I, I've, I've hid in the corners for long enough. I'm going to give you my all. And, and be what it is with Nicodemus and with Joseph of Arimathea, these two guys whose lives were changed by Jesus, is they were people who, had, who were living for Jesus secretly, uh, but Jesus did something for them so tangibly and physically and radically uh, that it made them come out of the woodwork. And, and, and what that was was Jesus dying on the cross. And what we can pull from this is Jesus has done something for each and every single one of you. Uh, and, and maybe you're someone who's super vocal, Maybe you're someone who's completely away, like the Roman soldier, or maybe you're someone who believes, but you're not vocal and, and you kind of hide it. Uh, Jesus has done something for you, uh, and, and he's asked you to do something for him, and that's to share your faith. And the next person that we run into of these four people whose lives were changed is this person uh, in, in chapter 20, verse 1, whose name is Mary Magdalene. And this is a, a character in the New Testament uh, who there's been a lot of uh, debate, a lot of speculation, a lot of talk about. Uh, no, she was not the wife of Jesus, uh, as some books would purport you to believe, in that uh, Jesus had kids, and, and, and there, there's a secret Illuminati conspiracy that takes place in the Vatican. Uh, there's a great movie with Tom Hanks about it, uh, um, but that's not who Mary Magdalene was. Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute. Uh, as, as some people would say she was. Uh, that's a different woman, a different Mary uh, in the Gospels. All we know about Mary of uh, Magdalene from uh, Scripture is that she was Mary of Magdala, hence we get the Magdalene. Uh, and Magdala was, was a region uh, that was mentioned a few times in the Old Testament as well. Uh, and she was someone who was possessed by demons. 
uh, and we're told that she was possessed by multiple demons and that Jesus had cast those demons out of her. Uh, and from that point on, she was a follower of Jesus. So this person uh, was completely uh, away from God. Uh, but then Jesus came, set her free. And now she's one of Jesus' closest uh, companions, one of Jesus' closest followers. And she's the first one here at the tomb in John's gospel. Now, what we're told in the other gospels is that she wasn't alone, uh, that her, the other Mary, and a few other of the women had gone there. But we see that she was one of the most dedicated followers of Jesus. As all the disciples dispersed and scattered, she's there and, and, and she's wanting to pay her respects to Jesus. And something happens when she goes to pay her respects to Jesus that we're going to get to a little bit later on. Uh, but her life was radically changed from the time she first met Jesus until this point where now she was uh, with Jesus uh, even after he had died. Uh, she was still going to be there with him uh, and, and she came to worship him. Um, and he was gone. But we'll talk more about uh, his going away in just a few moments. Uh, in verse 33, we're jumping back to chapter 19. In verse 33, we see this where it says, And when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. Um, I, I just want to reference on the death of Jesus uh, one more time before we dive into um, these three significant gardens. Uh, because the four lives that were changed uh, were changed as the result of the fulfillment of uh, of thousands of years of prophecy regarding Jesus. And, and, and there's just some references from the Old Testament uh, that, that I think uh, could be uh, life-changing or impactful to you. Uh, I know when I read God's Word, uh, I, I'm continually inspired and, and my life is continually changed by God's Word because it continues to prove itself. Uh, we don't need to look outside of Scripture to prove Scripture, even though all the sources outside of Scripture prove Scripture, but Scripture internally proves itself uh, and, 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 and shows itself to be authoritative. Um, Jesus' obedience to the Father in John chapter 18, verse 11, uh, we see reference in Psalm chapter 40, verse 8, uh, when Jesus uh, announces himself in verse 32 uh, of... Um, uh, chapter 18 of the book of John, we see that that was prophesied in Numbers chapter 21, uh, verses 8 and 9. Um, Jesus dying in place of his people uh, in John chapter 18, verse 14. We see reference in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Uh, Jesus being accused and then crucified with people who were evildoers uh, that we see mentioned in John chapter 19, verse 18. Uh, that was previously prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. Um, Jesus having his innocence um, in verse 6 of chapter 19. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9 talks about that. The fact that he was crucified uh, and raised up in verse 18 of chapter 19. Uh, we see that prophesied in Psalms chapter 22, verse 16. Uh, and then lastly, being buried in a rich man's tomb uh, that we see here when we just looked at Joseph of Arimathea in verses 38 through 42. That is also mentioned and prophesied in reference in Isaiah 53, verse 9. Uh, and, and, and God is perfect in all he does. Uh, he's perfect in season and out. He's on time every time. Uh, and just know this. Maybe you're waiting on God to do something in your life. Maybe you're looking for uh, answers. Maybe you're, you have prayers and you're like, God, where are you in this situation? Uh, God is there uh, and, and, and he has some very life-changing uh, things for you. Jesus is in the business of changing people's lives uh, for the better. He's a God of restoration. 
uh, and, and he's a God of regeneration, uh, and, and, and from the old, uh, he, he births new things. And so just like these four people's lives were changed, each and every single one of our lives can be changed uh, in a big moment. Uh, if you put your heart in, uh, uh, in your faith in Jesus, that's a big moment where God changed you. Uh, but even in my own life, uh, God is changing me for the better each and every single day. The more I trust Him, the more I put my faith in Him. And so when we are faithful to continually pursue God uh, and follow God with our whole hearts, God will continually do these uh, restorative and, and life-changing um works in your life and and so that we can be in this category with those people uh like the roman soldier like joseph of arimathea and nicodemus and like mary magdalene where their testimony uh, is god had done something in their life and they had to tell people about it so that's the first mini sermon for lives changed the second mini sermon and the second point of this sermon uh, is three significant gardens um all of human history can really be summed up um, by three significant gardens. Uh, the first garden being um, the Garden of Eden, uh, where, where God created uh, man and, and he said to Adam there in the Garden of Eden, hey, uh, this is your dominion, have dominion over it, name the animals, uh, you can do whatever you want, just don't eat of this one tree. Uh, and so it was in that garden um, that we see the start of humanity, but it is also in that garden that we see the fatal flaw of humanity. Um, and that was when Adam was deceived uh, by the serpent and he ate of the fruit. And, and the Bible tells us that sin and death entered the man uh, or, or entered the world by the sin of one man. When Adam sinned, death entered the world. Uh, and with that, uh, humanity uh, was in this Place in the state of constant decay, uh, things going from perfection, uh, life with God, uh, to death and, and separation from God. So it was in this first garden, the Garden of Eden, that we see man relinquish uh, his relationship with God. And so, uh, under if you're taking notes, under three significant gardens, uh, the first one is e uh, Eden, and that is where we see man relinquish. Um, his life with God uh, and bringing in death. Second, the second garden we see, uh, we saw just a few weeks ago. Uh, it's the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus goes. Uh, he had just spent some time hanging out with his closest buddies up in the upper room, eating, drinking, having a good time. He's teaching to them. He's praying with them. They go on a three-mile walk. They jump over a river. They hop a fence into a garden, and they just start hanging out, praying in this garden. Uh, and Jesus does something so spectacular in this garden because it is in this garden, it is the events of this garden that kick off uh, the greatest rescue mission uh, in the history of humanity. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, whereas the Garden of Eden was where man relinquished uh, their, their, their um, oneness and closeness with God, uh, we see here in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, that uh, Jesus is going to redeem um, man's relationship with God. Um, whereas in Eden, death entered uh, at this point in this garden, Jesus is going to bring life back to humanity. It is in this garden that he says, Father, not your, uh, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, if, if, if you want me to take this cup, death upon a cross, so be it. I'm going to do it. 
and Jesus then is arrested and he goes and, and, and he dies upon the cross and it starts from this Garden of Gethsemane leading up to uh, the place of the skull or Golgotha uh, in, in, in the Hebrew uh, and Jesus has this plan of redemption. Now the third garden is the garden that we see tonight uh, in verse 41 of chapter 19. It says this, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden there was a new tomb which had not yet been laid. Uh, this garden was Joseph of Arimathea's garden, um, and, and this garden was a garden that was going to bring new creation. Uh, the first garden was where creation took place, uh, but then it had degradation because uh, of mankind. But Jesus in this garden was going to bring new life and bring new creation and bring new uh, world to people. And, and it happened when Jesus resurrected from the dead. He burst out of the tomb. The tomb couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him down. Uh, and Jesus resurrects uh, and, and he comes back to life bringing new life. And in Jesus we can have new life. Whereas Adam... The first Adam was, was the one who brought sin and death. Jesus, as Hebrews tells us, uh, is the second Adam, and he brings life, uh, and in him there is new creation. Uh, and so the, the stages of human history being broken down uh, by three significant gardens uh, is a story of relinquishing, of redeeming, and of resurrection life, and of resurrection power. And, and, and it's because of these gardens that now we can live uh, forevermore uh, with Jesus uh, in eternity. And um, so, yeah, uh, if, if anyone ever asks you, uh, well, tell me about the, the story of humanity or, 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 or tell me what Christianity believes about the world we live in. Uh, it's three gardens. We blew it. And Jesus came uh, and Jesus made it new again. And so, um, yeah, significant gardens. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about uh, is is that that third point being two eyes uh, open. Uh, two eyes being opened here uh, is is referring to um, Mary Magdalene. If you jump over to verse fifteen of chapter twenty, uh, verse fifteen and verse sixteen, uh, something amazing takes place here. We see this. It says, "Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking?'" And she, supposing he was the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, that I may take him. Verse 16 says, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Now, something takes place uh, in, in, the, in the time between these two verses that we don't have painted for us in Scripture. So we have to put on our imagination cap. So everyone put on your invisible imagination cap. And we have to imagine something that takes place here. Because this person, Mary, who's been following Jesus for a few years, uh, she's very familiar with who Jesus is. And Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you crying? Now we could maybe suppose that her eyes were so swollen with tears she's been crying for three days because her master, her rabbi, uh, her friend has been killed. So maybe she's crying. Maybe her eyes are all swollen. Um, and, and she's just blubbery. Maybe as she was stooped down, Jesus is behind her and she, uh, she doesn't see him. She just hears him. But um, she probably knew what Jesus sounded like. So um, something happens, though, in this moment where she has no clue who Jesus is. Uh, and then she turns around and she recognizes who he is uh, and she calls him in, in the traditional and custom 
uh, way of, of teacher, of rabbi, um, acknowledging, I know who you are. Um, and, and, and what happens in this moment, we can only imagine, is that uh, her eyes were open, her eyes were closed at one point, uh, but her eyes uh, were made open uh, in this moment. There's a, a, a biblical um, character who, 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 who's mentioned once in the New Testament. Uh, his name is Hermas. Uh, no one ever talks about Hermas. He, got, he gets left out by a bunch of uh, people. But, but, but Hermas was a cool guy. Uh, history tells us that uh, Hermas uh, wrote uh, a, a, a book um, of some visions that he received. Uh, it's not considered canon. It's not in the Bible. Uh, but the early church looked at the, uh, uh, the, this book that Hermas wrote, uh, and, and they looked at it with some authority. And they thought, hey, man, the things that are in here are good. Uh, if you want to read it, it's called The Shepherd, uh, and it's by Hermas. And, and in, the, in The Shepherd, um, Hermas is, is writing, and he's having this vision where Jesus appears to him. Uh, and he also doesn't know who Jesus is. And he says, uh, who are you? And he starts freaking out because he's terrified. But Jesus says these words to him. Uh, Do not fear. Uh, it is I who first appeared to you in the previous vision. And then, and then he says uh, his eyes were opened as if things began to fall off of his eyes. And he began to see Jesus uh, for who Jesus was. Um, and, and, and whether that's what happened here with Mary. She had something on her eyes. And they began to fall away. Uh I don't know, but, but what I do know is every time an angel uh, appears, or uh, in the Old Testament we see the angel of the Lord being a, a, a pre-incarnate Christ, uh, Christophany, anytime we see Jesus show up uh, where he really shouldn't be because he, he's not either on earth at that point uh, or he's dead, uh, he, he says, uh, do not fear. When the shepherds came, uh, or, or when the angels came to the shepherds uh, and the shepherds freak out, the angel says, do not fear. Uh, we have a tendency to freak out a lot when, when, when we see things that we can't explain. Uh, but Jesus likes to bring peace. And when he brings that peace, uh, it allows our eyes to be opened. And that's the point that I really want to make about Mary Magdalene here. Was She, she was someone whose, whose eyes were closed by the chaos, uh, by the tragedy, by the loss uh, that she had experienced. Um, and she wasn't seeing that Jesus was standing right there by her. Uh, and, and in our lives, we can face... Uh, much tragedy, we can face much loss, we can face uh, trials and tribulation, uh, turmoil, uh, but what we need to be reminded is that Jesus is right there with us, uh, and, and that what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, don't fear, don't fear, have peace, uh, I'm right here with you, uh, and, and what Jesus wants us to do is, is it's the same thing that we see Mary do uh, between the lines here. Uh, the verse before we see that she had stooped down on the ground and she's crying probably face on the ground just uh, so overwhelmed with anguish but now we see that she turns to Jesus which takes a physical motion of getting up and turning uh, and that's what Jesus wants us to do he said hey I'm right here turn to me and let's talk let's talk because that's where the change happens that's where the life change happens uh, and that's where her eyes uh, were opened up uh, to to uh, to Jesus and to what he had done. He had resurrect, uh, He was resurrected, he had risen uh, from the dead, and he was bringing new life, which brings to that last point, uh, and that last point being one main point, and that main point is Jesus has rose from the dead. He is risen. 
Uh, I remember I, w- I was probably 15 years old. I'd grown up in the church. I knew probably every Bible study through or Bible story through and through. And I remember asking my dad at one point. I, I said, you know, Dad, if if there needed to be blood sacrifice for sin for the remission of sin, and Jesus died. Uh, then is it like what if Jesus didn't raise from the dead? Is that okay? Because his death was enough to cover our sins. Um, and in my mind, I was like, well, maybe Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Maybe he didn't have to raise from the dead. Um, I wasn't trying to say he didn't. I was just like, well, why did he have to raise from the dead? It, it, like lambs didn't have to raise from the dead when you sacrificed a lamb. Why did Jesus need to raise from the dead? Um, and my dad pointed me uh, to Romans chapter 9. Uh, because without the resurrection, what we believe is foolishness. Uh, because if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, uh, then the things that he had said about himself and about God, uh, they're not true because he said he was going to raise from the dead. And historically, here's the cool thing, uh, and I'm going to touch on this in just a second, we have proof uh, that, that, that Jesus has risen from the dead. But Romans chapter 9, Paul tells us um, that uh, we, we must believe in the resurrection because it is in the resurrection that we have new life and we have resurrection power. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then there would be new life. We would just have forgiveness, but we would not have new life. And then because Jesus has risen from the dead, we can now have new life in his resurrection. One of the guys who, who followed Paul uh, and, and, and walked with Paul and did missionary work with Paul was a guy by the name of Barnabas. Uh, and Barnabas wrote a letter to the church in the latter part uh, of the first century. Uh, and he talks about also the importance of Jesus raising from the dead uh, and, and how what Jesus did on the cross for us uh, was important. Um, but the Christians of the time were focusing so much on the cross, which is important, but Christians need to focus less on the cross and more on the resurrection because it's in the resurrection that death was ultimately defeated. And because death was defeated and Jesus rose victorious, now we can have victorious life in Jesus. Um, people will be like, well, well, maybe Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Uh, there's historical uh, documents uh, from, from uh, historians of the time, a guy by the name of Josephus, uh, who, who was a Jew. Um, he, he talks about, uh, in one of his historical works, which is um, accepted by all of scholarship in, in, in academia, uh, that um, there are those who are called Christians who follow a man named Jesus who rose from the dead. Uh, a historical uh, account of this man being raised from the dead. Uh, we're, we're told in the Gospels that after he raised from the dead, he was seen by over 500 people in a span of 40 days. There, 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 there were people who saw uh, Jesus, and it continued to transform lives, and it kick-started something that Jesus had planned, which that was the church, and, and, and that, that's why we are here. We are here as a result of Jesus raising from the dead and his followers catching the vision, their lives uh, being changed and transformed by what Jesus did, and then going and doing what Jesus had told them to do, and that was to go tell the message of uh, of who he is and what he has done for us. Uh, and, and, and this message is the gospel. It's the good news uh, of Jesus Christ. Jesus is someone um, who loved us. He's God, became a man. Uh, he loved the world so much uh, that he decided uh, he would take on the sins of the world so that the world could have relationship with God the Father. Uh, and without Jesus, uh, we, are, we are a hopeless humanity. Uh, but with Jesus, uh, we have hope, uh, we have redemption, and we have a future. Um, 
And so just in retrospect and looking back at everything uh, we, we, we've talked about tonight, um, four lives significantly uh, were changed here in these few verses. Uh, these are four uh, of many lives uh, that were changed and transformed by Jesus. If we were to look through uh, just what we've studied in the book of John, we've seen many people healed. We've seen uh, at least one person raised from the dead. Uh, we've seen um, uh, people who had lost things get their lost heirlooms found. Uh, we see Jesus' most close disciples uh, following him, growing deeper uh, in love with him. And, and then from that, those lives continued to be changed because of Jesus. We see in the book of Acts that uh, 50 days after Jesus had resurrected, uh, that 120 people whose lives were changed by Jesus were hanging out together, uh, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and then they get jacked about Jesus some more, and they go and they teach about Jesus out in the courtyard, and 3,000 more people's lives get changed, and the church begins to grow, and then we see in the next chapter of Acts uh, of Acts that the church is now 5,000, and then we see that it is beyond number, and more are added, and more added, and then the church begins to multiply. Uh, and, and lives are being radically changed and transformed today. Uh, and, and we can be a part of life transformation. Maybe that being our lives being transformed, or we just bring Jesus to someone and we see their lives changed uh, by the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is a story that's told by those three significant gardens and uh, what, what man did and what sin has done for humanity uh, has separated humanity from God. Romans tells us that uh, for all have sinned, not some, not most, but all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, and the wages of that sin is death. But Jesus, who is the gift of God, has brought us uh, eternal life through his death and through his resurrection, through the redemption uh, process that took place with him uh, dying on the cross, and that is the good news for us. And the Bible promises us and tells us that that same Holy Spirit who showed up in, in, in the New Testament uh, is still here on earth drawing all men unto the Father and continually opening up eyes and lives are continually being changed by, by the power of Jesus and by what he has done. Uh, for us. And so I just want to encourage you guys tonight as we're going to be going into this uh, Christmas season. Christmas is just right around the corner. Um, there's going to be a lot of distraction. There's going to be a lot of hustle and bustle, people running out, buying gifts, uh, doing all these things. Um, but but let's remember, especially this time when, when, when it can get super convoluted and uh, uh, people distracted, that the, that the main point and the reason for all of this uh, this celebration uh, is Jesus, uh, and, and it's about lives being changed. It's about eyes being opened. It's about people experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so, I want to encourage you guys uh, that this Christmas season, um, I'm not going to be all cliche and be like, "Keep Christ in Christmas," or "Jesus is the reason for the season," which are all true things, but they're just kind of cheesy. Okay, uh, let's just keep Jesus the main point. Uh, there's only one main point, uh, and that's Jesus and what he has done and what he is continually doing uh, for us. So I just want to encourage you guys uh, this season. A little side point, this is completely off topic from the sermon, but a little side point uh, with it being Christmas and all. A lot of Christians like to get mad about Santa Claus and whatnot. Um, Santa Claus is the coolest dude ever. 
Uh, and he's like the greatest defender of Christianity, just so you guys know. He was a real person. His name was not Claus or Santa. Uh, his name was Nicholas. Uh, and, and he was a bishop of a little town called Myrna in Greece. Uh, and some dude was going around, like some dude, I say there was there was over 300 dudes, uh, all these bishops from all over the Roman Empire, they were coming and they were talking about Jesus. And one of the bishops was saying Jesus wasn't God. Uh, and he had his whole reasoning why that was. And he was debating with a great uh, Christian leader by the name of Athanasius and a few other guys. And Nicholas is like in the back row because he's from Myrna. No one cares about people from Myrna. And he's back there. And he's just so fed up after hours of debate that he gets up. He walks down to the very front. And we're talking, this is like a big amphitheater. And there's two guys debating. And Nicholas walks down to the front. And everyone's like, oh, what's Nicholas going to say? He likes to give people gold uh, and oranges because uh, that's what he did. And then he gets down there, and it's like, okay, Nicholas, what's your defense of Jesus? And let, rather than giving a defense of Jesus, he just turns around and punches this heretic in the face and knocks him out. And we have historical document that Nicholas just clobbers this dude across the face, knocks him out, and then walks back to his seat. And so if any Christian tries to tell you Santa Claus is not a part of Christmas, say he's the reason we have Christmas, because he defended Jesus in the manger. Uh, and, and then punch that person. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Okay, so that was just fun. I love all that kind of little, like... Um, history and whatnot, but no, the, the main point, the main reason why four lives were changed, why three gardens are significant, and why two eyes are open, the main point is Jesus, uh, and Jesus is risen from the dead. Uh, he's alive, uh, and he has sent his Holy Spirit to empower us, the believer, uh, to go on and to continue his mission, the greatest mission uh, ever, and that is to see humanity uh, saved by the power of the gospel. Um, so yeah, let's close in prayer, uh, and then we'll have a little bit of fellowship. Dear God, we just thank you so much, uh, God, for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son, uh, that whosoever believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God, we thank you that you are in the business of changing lives. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and God, uh, it, it is a business that's booming, and lives are being changed left and right. And God, thank you for the change that you brought in my life and the change that you've brought in many of the lives, if not all the lives of the uh, folks in this room. Um, and God, we just we pray that you would continue to change lives, and God, help use us uh, to, 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 to bring life change uh, to people, God. And as, as we see our friends and our family members and our coworkers' lives change, God, may that continually change our lives. Uh, God, may we just be reminded uh, of just your redeeming uh, power and your redeeming qualities and attributes, God, as you created earth uh, in a garden, uh, and we as man, we messed it up. But, but Jesus, you came and you brought new creation and you brought new life uh, with you when you rose from the dead, God. And I just pray that each and every single one of our eyes will be continually open to, 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 to what you have for us, what you have through us. Uh, and God, what you have for the world in which we live. And God, that we would keep the main point, the main point, uh, and that main point is you, uh, Christ in him crucified. Uh, that we would be like Paul, uh, who when writing to the church uh, there in Corinth, he said, I, I, I have resolved to know nothing but this, Christ in him crucified, uh, because it is in you uh, that we have power and we have new life. So God, we just thank you. Uh, God, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name. Uh, Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.